Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. And so tonight, I want to give you something that uh, the Lord kind of showed me. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. I think it will. But uh, we're in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8's a good chapter. Amen. Uh, many, many men have said if they had one chapter of the Bible and that's all they could have to read for the rest of their life, they'd take Romans chapter 8. It's wonderful. It's just real good and uh, glorious and regarding the life of a believer and the blessing of getting to be a believer. Amen. And so I want to start there in verse 12. I want to start in verse 12, Romans chapter 8, verse 12. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit, uh, the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God. And joint heirs, the Bible says, joint heirs with Christ, if so be, notice that we suffer with him, that we may uh, be also glorified together. I'm not going to preach on this, but I want to read a little bit more because it's just so good. Verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Boy, I tell you, I heard a preacher say it like this one time. He said, if God was so kind to open a portal up in this ceiling and give us a vision of what heaven would be like, we wouldn't wonder why people over there don't ever want to come back over here. We'd probably have a hard time staying here after having seen what's over there. Amen. Lots been said this evening about some of those sufferings, some of those hard times. Child of God, let me remind you, Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, uh, present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. And this glory and this promise and this, uh, uh, this, this comparison to what we've got to look forward to uh, comes to those only from here in this passage who have obviously uh, received the Lord Jesus as their Savior And having done so, uh, been given that Holy Spirit of promise. That Holy Spirit, whether you know this or not, that Holy Spirit that you got when you got saved, 
uh, is the ticket, if you will, to heaven. The Bible calls that the seal uh, until the day of redemption. And that seal is a picture, if you will, of, of a letter. In, in olden days, how that they would take some wax and, a, and a, a ring of some sort to leave a mark and to seal that letter uh, uh, to signify that it was only to be opened by those who were worthy to open it. And when you and I got sealed by the Holy Ghost uh, uh, as the earnest of our salvation, what that meant was is God gave you a promise that He would not break that seal and that there ain't nobody else in the existence of existence that's worthy to break that seal. And He will not break it until the day of redemption when you receive a glorified body likened unto Christ. That's the Scripture. That's the principle. Uh, that's the doctrine that this is referencing. Uh, and what Paul's dealing with here again is that Holy Spirit of promise and that Spirit, the Bible calls it, of adoption. If you study your Bible, and I ain't got time to go into all of it tonight, but if you study your Bible, the adoption itself does not take place until you get that glorified body. Right now we have the spirit of adoption, meaning that earnest, that promise, that seal, but the adoption doesn't take place until uh, we get made like Christ when we are turned into Him uh, in the twinkling of an eye in that day. And what Paul tells us here is a wonderful truth about that Spirit of God that's inside of us. There in verse 15. Again, he tells us that this is not the spirit of bondage. Amen. Right. Amen. Let me tell you all something about COVID. Alright, let me tell you something real quick about COVID. COVID made people real bad scared. And I, I'm not going to dwell here long. Let me tell you something. Fear and being scared is normal for this flesh to experience. You're not a weirdo for experiencing fear. The problem is not experiencing fear. The problem is when we embraced it. Yeah. Amen. The problem is when we panicked to the point of absolute torment. Amen. And ultimately, ultimately, we had people lose their minds over it. Why? Well, they weren't depending and trusting in the Spirit of God. Why? Because the Spirit of God, according to this verse, is not the spirit of bondage again to fear. So what do we have, Brother Kevin? Well, we've got the spirit of adoption. And what that spirit of adoption does, listen to me, is it initiates something inside of a child of God, the Bible says, to cry, Abba, Father. Is that what the Bible said? Say amen if you're with me. And so in my study and in my time of Preparation, I began to delve into this word of Abba or Abba. And that's not just an 80s rock band. Somebody help me right there, man. That's a corny joke. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. But uh, Abba, Abba. And what this word uh, is derived from is some type of an Assyriac word of some sort, they believe. But essentially... What we have here is we have a term that God gives us, listen to me, that is reserved only for those who've been born again in their title for God in that life and in that relationship. Are y'all with me? This is not just for just anybody to call God Abba Father. And what Paul says is when you get that spirit inside of you, 
that it will bring this sense, if you will, it will bring this title out of your life when you talk to God. And this word Abba, again, it's from an old, uh, 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 an old language, uh, 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 an old script, if you will. And the reason the word is, is uh, used here is because it's a word, listen to me now, that was only used for children and their father. Y'all understand? But now, just like in our modern English tongue, this American English tongue, uh, this is my father right here. His name's Tim Shirley. But now if I just started today just calling him father, he'd be weirded out. Am I right about it? He'd say, yes, I am your father. That's what he'd say. He, hey, man, that's my dad. That's my dad. But see, yes, he's my father. But that's not the term I'm going to use when I'm talking to him. And there's just a couple of people in the world that use the term that I'm going to use when I talk to him. And that's me, that's my brother, and that's my sister. When we talk to that man, we've got a term that we use in our English language, and that term's dad or daddy. But you see, when I was little, you know, Paul's about to have a baby. What's your name in this baby again, Paul, Lord willing? Parker. It's a beautiful name. When Parker gets born, and they start raising Parker, and they start teaching her to talk, what you're going to hear is you're going to hear, hear Brooke going, mama, 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 mama. Why? It's real easy to say, and it means mama. And then you're going to hear Paul over here, and he's going to be going, dad, 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 dad. Amen. Why? Because it's simple. It's simple to utter, even for the smallest child. You don't have to have a theological Amen. diploma. Amen. You don't have to go and spend hours and hours uh, in penitence and, and sufferings of some sort. You don't have to have read the entire Bible through and have it outlined. You don't have to completely understand all the ins and outs of God's Word. And all those things are great. And I'm not knocking on trying to know more about God. But what I'm telling you tonight, church, is this. In regards to this term, Abba, and the definition of this term, it's an achievable saying. It's a saying that the simplest of children can understand. And it's a word that's likened unto our term in this modern English language, which is daddy. And it's only reserved for those who belong to Him in this life. And only those that belong to Him can even comprehend what it's like. Listen to me. To talk to Him in such a manner where you would talk to God just like you would talk to your own daddy. Paul said that spirit inside of you is so personal to Him that it will cry out unto Him, Abba, Father. Even when you're just born again, I remember as a seven-year-old boy, when I got saved, hey, and when I got close to God and I understood who God was, I remembered what it was like to pile up on an old-fashioned altar to begin to experience those tears falling off my cheeks, to begin to experience what it's like to talk to God just as if as He was sitting in front of me like He was my own daddy. Why? Because that's the relationship between a child of God and God the Father. He's our Abba Father. We're looking at Abba defined. We see it's an achievable saying, even for the simplest of babes to utter. You may be here tonight and brand new, born again just recently, 
And you have enough sense to know, yeah, I know what you're talking about, Brother Caleb. That's my Abba, Father. Not only do we see it's an achievable saying, we see this available spirit there in verse 15. The Bible again tells us that this is the spirit of adoption and not of fear. Not of fear today. Uh, I'm going to tell you, in regards to my relationship with my physical dad, uh, I, I love him, and I, I respect him, and I reverence him, and all my life I was raised and reared by him. But I'm going to tell you something, when I think back about my raising, when I think back about my relationship, and how I, I, uh, I, how I approached him, and how I spent time with him, I don't remember being afraid of him. Amen. I don't remember cowering and being terrified and petrified of his existence. No, why? Because he was my daddy. Amen. Because I knew he loved me. Because I knew he cared about me. And the relationship with me and my earthly father uh, was a, a relationship that did not have that spirit of fear. Hey, but it had that spirit of, of family and of love and of appreciation. And that's the same spirit that came to you and I as a child of God. Again, for the sake of context, uh, here in the book of Romans, Paul's dealing a lot with some Jewish ideology and some Jewish ways of thinking. And in that Old Testament, the theme of the Old Testament was to fear God. Fear God. Be afraid of God. Be concerned about what's going to happen to you if you're disobedient to God. But when that New Testament come along, hey, and when Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins, what the Bible tells us is that we are no longer bound by our fear to God, but we are bound by a family kinship to Him. And it's a love and it's a spirit of an adoption here in this passage. We see this available spirit and we see this amazing sonship. For the sake of Scripture, we need to flip to the book of Galatians tonight. The book of Galatians in chapter 4. And we need to see what the Bible says about this title of Abba uh, in the Scriptures. There in the book of Galatians chapter 4. In verse 1, the Bible tells us this. <clears throat> now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. Paul, author of the book of Galatians, by inspiration of God, says that a servant and a child is the same, though he be Lord of all. You say, what exactly does that mean, Brother Caleb? I've got a four-year-old boy over there named Josiah. Is he in the floor? Oh, right there he is. So he's got a Charizard pop toy, something. Amen. Josiah is my blood-born son, biologically. What this is talking about is, if God forbid, if something was to happen to me and I was to leave behind my inheritance, I would not just leave it all under his control in the state that he is in. Do y'all understand that? You say, why? Because he's four. And if it ain't got something to do with Pokemon or Winnie the Pooh, he don't care about it, okay? Because that's just him. He's just like a servant in that regard. He's not capable of taking care of my estate. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, yes, he is an heir. Yes, he's a child. But at that moment in this estate, he's no different than a servant, though he be Lord of all. But notice, is under tutors and governors. Until the time appointed of the Father. Verse 3, even so we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But 
When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might, notice, receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Ghost. God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You say, what's he talking about right there? In this day and in this culture, men owned servants. And those servants were so close to that man and so close to that family that there were times that they would even speak in regards to that owner as their father. But they didn't get to call him Abba. Abba was reserved only for those who were truly a son of that man. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a lady and you'd say, well, I ain't no son. Well, I want you to realize this as well. This term that's used here is not a term in regards to those who belong to God biologically, but those who belong to God uh, legally. Amen. In this day and age, ladies, I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but in the day and age that these things were written, there wouldn't be an inheritance for you, ma'am. That's just the culture that they lived in. As a matter of fact, your inheritance, what you were left, was dependent upon who you married. But you see, with God and with what His Son did, when you get saved, glory to God, ma'am, I don't know if you're going to enjoy this or not, but it helps me to know, listen to me, when you get saved and when you become one of His, you get to inherit the same thing as everybody else does, just as if you uh, was a son of God, you get an inheritance likened unto Jesus Christ. Because over there in the book of Romans chapter 8, hey, it tells us that we are joint heirs with Christ. And it doesn't matter what you are according to your gender, you still get to get in on what God has in store for those who are His Son. I'm talking about being a child of the Abba Father. Abba Father. We see Abba Father defined. Next, I want you to notice Abba Father demonstrated. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. The Lord Jesus is speaking there. And he's in the garden. And in that garden, he's going through some serious time of suffering. He's going through some serious time of, of sorrow. There in chapter 14, the book of Mark, and verse 34, and saith unto them, Notice, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here, he said, and watch. And the Bible said he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Here in this moment, the Lord Jesus, the Bible tells us in parallel passages of the Scripture that His sweat became as great drops of blood. He literally experienced a medical condition, children, to the point that he was so distressed that the blood vessels within his sweat glands burst and he was literally sweating blood from his skin. That was the distress. That was the sorrow that our Savior was experiencing here in this garden. 
And he was not experiencing this sorrow because of the suffering he would endure as far as physically speaking. For the Bible tells us that while he was enduring that physical suffering, he opened not his mouth. That wasn't what had the Lord Jesus so concerned. It was not the mocking that he was going to have to endure that had him so concerned. He'd been mocked his whole life on this planet and it wasn't going to make an ounce of difference for he was the meekest man, hey, that's ever breathed air on this side of heaven. It was none of those things that had the Lord concerned uh, while he was here in the garden. But there was a specific thing that Jesus Christ was upset over here in the garden. Look what the Bible says in verse 16, or rather verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And the Bible said he come and findeth them sleeping. And he, he of course, addresses them there. You say, Brother Shirley, what's got him so distressed? We see his apparent distress, amen? He's sweating blood. He's sorrowful. He confesses. He professes his sorrow. He professes the shape of his soul. There in verse 34, not only is he in apparent distress, but we see he is alone. He is deserted here in this passage. He uh, uh, left his disciples on out a little farther away in that garden. And he went on in deeper. He's alone. He's deserted. He's in apparent distress. But I want you to notice this in regards to his Abba Father. We see him speaking to God, listen to me, and making this statement. He says, God, he says, Abba Father rather. He says, not my will, but thou, what thou wilt be done. Say, so what are you getting at, Brother Cub? I'm talking about Jesus Christ demonstrating for the child of God how we're supposed to be in regards to our Abba Father. And Jesus knows I'm about to have to take a drink of something that's going to hurt my relationship with my Abba Father. And it had him in such a shape that he was distraught beyond measure. And he, while speaking to God, speaking to his Abba Father, tells God the Father, he says, now look here, if it be thy will, uh, let this cup pass from me. He says, but not what my will is, God, not what I want, uh, but what thou wilt, God, that's what we want. Let me tell you something. Yes, he's your Abba Father. Yes, you can talk to him just like you can talk to your own daddy. Yes, all those things are true, but he ain't no genie in a bottle. God is not a genie in a bottle. Let me tell you something, and I don't want to have to be the one to say this, and I don't even like saying it, but sometimes we don't get to have or see or do what we want. And sometimes it's because we couldn't handle it. And sometimes it's because we're better off without it. And only God knows what we need. You know what the Bible tells us in the book of Romans? The Bible tells you in the book of Romans that you don't even know what to pray for yourself. Read the book of Romans. Paul tells us we ain't even smart enough to know what we ought to pray. That's right. And that Holy Spirit that's inside of us is talking to God with, with, with groanings that cannot be uttered on our behalf. And God knows what we need. And God's taking care of things even when we don't know He is. And our obligation today, you say, what, what are we supposed to do then, Brother Caleb? Ask and trust that He'll take care of it no matter what. 
You ask Him, but you do it knowing whatever your will is, God, I'm going to trust you. Just like those Hebrew boys. They said, Nebuchadnezzar, we know God's able. God's more than able to rescue us. We don't even have to, we don't even have to be here today. If it was up to God, He could, I mean, poof us in this moment if He wanted to. But even if he don't, Nebuchadnezzar, we still ain't bowing down to you. Amen. Hey, and I'm talking about being faithful even when God don't let you have what you think you ought to have. Abba, Father, he's your daddy. And that means he knows best for you. How many of y'all know what it was like to have a mom and a daddy that would tell you no? Dad sometimes would tell us on a Sunday when we wanted to go somewhere, he'd say, no. And we'd say, but why? They're good people. They're going to eat Mexican. I like Mexican. You like Mexican. It's all a good Mexican party. He'd say, because you ain't heard no in a while. Amen. <laughs> well, praise the Lord, Dad. Thank you. I need to remember what it's like to be told no, apparently. That's what your daddy does sometimes to remind you. Amen. You're better off without getting every single stinking thing that you want. Amen. 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 That's what a relationship with Abba Father is. And Jesus here is demonstrating how to experience that the right way. Now I'm going to tell you something. This is kind of a, a new sense to this message that I hadn't really stumbled upon in the past. You say, have you preached this before? Yeah, and I sung that song before too. You understand? It's still good. Man, hey, maybe they, somebody here needs to know that you might not get what you think you need. And I don't like to be the one saying it, but what's right is right. And listen, and if you'll trust God, what you have in store, listen, is better. But I don't, well, that's because you ain't as smart as God. That's because you don't know His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Amen. His ways are higher than our ways. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. There's not always pleasure in having to uh, uh, bow our knee to the will of God. But let me tell you something. It's always better. And it's without fail. It's always better. Christ demonstrates Abba, Father, for us we see it defined. Lastly, and I'm done. Flip over one chapter to 15. We see Abba and its deliverance. There in chapter 15, the Lord Jesus, He's been delivered to Pilate. And He's been delivered to be crucified. Our Savior. Being beaten, being tormented, shedding every drop of His blood, mocked to the point that you and I could never imagine. Nobody's ever been mocked, made fun of, and reproached like the Savior was. And there in verse 6, the Bible says, Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done uh, unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. But the chief priest moved the people 
that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, Notice, what will ye then that I shall do unto him who ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to contend, uh, content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Here in this passage, I want you to notice this man, Barabbas, and I want you to realize his atrocious past. He is a type and picture of you and me. He was a sinner. He was guilty as guilty could be. He was so guilty that everybody knew he was guilty and they knew what he was guilty for. He was an insurrectionist and he was a murderer. He didn't want to do anything to be uh, 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 in any capacity a good uh, uh, citizen. He wanted to uh, cause uproar and cause rage. He hated the establishment in every shape, form, or fashion. And it wasn't with a good heart and it wasn't with a good mind. He was simply and merely a stain to society. And let me help you with something. Maybe you didn't know this, but that's exactly what you and I are today. We are nothing. We are guilty. We have all the guilt that we need to, uh, for anybody uh, uh, to, to bring on us or judge us in any capacity to deserve uh, the cross that Jesus bore. We and Barabbas are one and the same. We have an atrocious past. We are sinners uh, by birth. We are sinners by choice. And we still struggle with sin. Even today, if we're a child of God, sin is still a part of our life. Why? Because we bear this sinful flesh and that is who we are here in this passage. We are Barabbas. He has an atrocious past. He has an accredited prominence here in this passage. The Bible tells us that these people give him uh, the liberty to experience life, but it's because of the allegorical propitiation. This allegorical propitiation, if you will, of what Barabbas is a picture and a type of. Did you see what his name is? Bar-Abbas. Bar-Abba. Bar-Abba. He said, what are you getting at? His name means son of the daddy. Son of the papa. So what are you getting at, Brother Caleb? In this passage, you know what we have? We have a man whose name literally means the son of his daddy who is rescued by the one who gave everybody an opportunity to cry unto God, Abba, Father. There in that garden when the Lord Jesus began to sweat great drops of blood again. He was not concerned about the physical suffering he would endure. He was not concerned about the mocking. He was not concerned about anything other than this. For the first time in existence, Jesus Christ and God the Father was going to go through a time of separation. It had never happened before, and it will never happen again. Jesus Christ, God the Father, and God the Holy Ghost 
have always been one in the same. And when you read your Bible, especially over there in the book of John, you read those sayings on the cross, those are wonderful. There's seven of them, they're great. The, last saying, or the second to last saying you read that Jesus says, as He says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For the first time, He didn't talk to God as His Father but he spoke to God as God. Why? Because he took upon himself the sin of all mankind from every point throughout time. And when he took upon himself that sin, a separation ensued, and Jesus, for the first time ever, had experienced a separation from the Abba Father. Why? So that the wicked and ungodly and unholy and guilty dog of a man, Barabbas, could be called the son of his daddy. So that you and I might be able to be a son of God. He cut off his sonship for that stretch of time. And maybe you're here you're sitting there and you're kind of like, what good is this, Brother Kevin? Well, I'll be honest with you, I don't really know. I'm just trusting God, to be honest. But I think about my life. I've got the best daddy that ever walked the face of the earth. And I mean that. He's been great to me. He has. He's trained me right. He's whipped me when I needed it. He's hugged me and kissed me when he had to. He didn't like that <laughs> stuff. He'd say, boys, it's bedtime. Kiss your mama. Amen. <laughs> but now he would. He'd give us kisses with that nasty, straggly face, that beard, and it'd tickle and itch. He'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go kiss mama. That's, that's right. I, I enjoy kissing mama. Amen. And, uh, and he's my dad. But you know what? There was times. There was times in my life that I had things going on that he knew was going on. There wasn't a thing he could do about it. I think about, the, I think about the infertility me and my wife went through, and it was tough. And one day I was over there at Mama's and Daddy's. I was having a bad day. And he knew. And he went and grabbed a couple shotguns, Brother Tim, and we went walking around trying to kick up a rabbit and talk. And you know what he was telling me? He was telling me things like, Yes, Caleb, I have no idea what you're going through. I don't know. And he'd say, but God does know. Amen. And he'd say, and I'm trusting him. I think, about, I think about my sister Hannah. She went through some time with infertility. Now they've got little Stetson. He's cute as a button, ain't he? You know, and she'd go to Mama, and you know what Mama would say? She'd say, Hannah, I have no idea. Mom and daddy had to be careful not to kiss. They'd have a baby, amen. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were so fertile, the fertile myrtle. Ain't that what they call them? It's just hilarious. I hope I'm okay, Paul. Am I okay? Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like, what I'm saying is, is they didn't have a clue. You know what? I'm glad I had me a daddy that I could go to. That knew what it was like. That knew what I was going through that knew what I needed. And let me just tell you, his timing is impeccable. Amen. 
And look here, and he's never late. And there were days, Brother Tim, where I thought, I know more than God. He should give me what I want. And I spent those dark moments trying to talk to him and just couldn't get nowhere. And he just to whoop on me and bring me back to him and say, now son, listen, you know that this is good for you. Just trust me. And I'd get home some days, Brother Tim, and maybe y'all don't know this, but my wife was an ultrasound technician. That's what she did for a living. She'd go to work, Brother Greg. She'd ultrasound a 15-year-old girl who's pregnant. But they didn't even know if she was going to keep the baby. And she'd come home just weeping. As soon as she'd come in the door, I'd just sit on the couch and I'd hold her. She'd cry. Boy, that was tough. I mean, that was tough. We had some dark days. And I'd look around and some... (laughs) It's funny how... It's funny how the people that got no business having kids got 15. Amen. Y'all know what I'm saying. And you look at God and you're like, I know more than you know, which is ridiculous. Amen. And, uh, and you're just trying to put one foot in front of the other. That's what walking by faith is. Walking by faith is, is I don't know if he's anywhere for his foot to land, but I'm going to take a step anyway. And I don't know if this foot's got anywhere to land, but I know this is the direction I'm supposed to go, and I'm just going to take another step. And you just keep on doing that. And you're navigating life, walking by faith, not by sight. Doing the best you can just to trust God until one day I was out rabbit hunting there on Dad's property. I had some great beagle hounds. They wasn't worth shooting, but I'd do it anyways because it'd get my mind off of things. And, and I was running dogs and trying to jump me up some rabbits have a good time. And I get home, and Heather showed me something I'd never seen before, a positive pregnancy test. And she was going in for a... Uh, uh, a checkup and uh, didn't even know. Amen. Ain't that amazing? And we had done treatments and we had done, <laughs> you just wouldn't believe. And she went in for a stinking checkup and we're going to have a baby. And he's a knothead, praise God. And I love him. And, uh, and you know what? I thought, I thought, God, this is late. You know, I mean, we're, thank you. I'm glad. But man, we're five years into this thing. We already done had two, maybe. And uh, we had a spring jubilee there at the church, and I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Uh, I was there at the church, and we started trying to spread the word to some close friends. And one of my friends from North Carolina, his name's Cole Russell, he come up to sing and be in the meeting. And I walked up to Cole, and he and his wife Casey and me and Heather kind of huddled him up, and I said, we're going to have a baby. Amen. <laughs> and it was just like, I mean, they lit up. And Casey wraps up Heather and she's hugging Heather because they knew we had been waiting and struggling. And, and Cole hugs me. And when I let go of him, Brother Tim, some of y'all might know Cole. You probably know him. He's crying. And Cole Russell don't cry. He's just weird like that, ain't he, Paul? He's just one of them that never cried, Brother Greg. And he's crying. And I said, you Okay. He's like, yeah, I'm just happy for you. I said, hogwash. I said, what's the matter with you? And he just really broke. He said, me and Casey's been trying seven months. And he said, you don't know. (laughs) He said, you don't know how much you and Heather have helped us not to quit. You want to know who was calling those shots? It wasn't me. I'm too ignorant. But I got an Abba father. (laughs) That knowed, he had had another child over yonder that knowed him just like I do, and he needed somebody. And he was putting me through some things. Why? To help him. And guess what? They got their second one on the way now. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's how personal our God is. 
where you can get down on your face before Him and talk to Him like you would your own daddy. I got a good earthly daddy. But there's been days where he'd say, essentially, son, you're going to have to take this to your heavenly daddy. Ain't that good? Let's stand to our feet. Let's have a song. Piano player come. We'll have a time of invitation here. And uh, we're all standing. Everybody's heads bowed and eyes is closed. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.